Hello, all of you awesome listeners and patrons. This is Thomas Brennan, a narrator and writer on the This Present Darkness podcast. And out the gate, I just want to say thank you so very much for making the launch of the podcast such a, a memorable and exciting thing for me, and uh, certainly what I'd consider to be successful. Uh, I asked a bunch of you um, when I first launched on, on Twitter officially, you know, what would you consider to be a good growth rate or, or what should, you know, what should I do to spread the word about the podcast? And a lot of you are very kind and very honest, which is what I really wanted. You know, I wanted honesty, but, but I appreciated the encouragement. But, you know, there was a lot of stuff about, you know, expect listeners in the single digits even for your first episode. And while I did expect that, you know, I'm up to 27 plays, I think, at this point. Um, so we're almost close to 30, and it hasn't quite been three weeks. And that, you know, averages out to about uh, 10 plays a week, which is awesome. You know, it's like that that really is such a cool, cool thing, and it's such a cool feeling. And uh, I certainly count that as a success. And I just wanted to, again, say thank you to anybody who's listening to this, because most likely if you are listening to this, uh, you were one of the people that helped retweet and gave me feedback and, um, you know, was one of those 27 to 30 plays um, that came up and or you put me on a follow Friday list. And, and again, I just can't say thank you enough. Um, truly, thank you, thank you, thank you. The whole point of me doing this today and hopping on here to record again, um, this isn't the second story, second episode I hope to have out mid-February. Um, but the point of, of this particular recording is to talk about sort of the making of uh, the first episode. And, and I want to do this um, with each episode. Normally, this would be something I would include um, in my Patreon. And, and just as a side note to that point, right, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to come out the gate making this about money. Uh, I've, I've seen everybody, you know, make sure to emphasize, like, don't make this about money right away, and I certainly don't want to do that. I did, however, want to establish a set of patterns and a back catalog of things that are accessible to people who want to support monetarily down the down the road, um, and I want to be able to do this for each of those episodes and make sure that, hey, when somebody becomes a supporter in that way, um, they have plenty to go back and listen to that they have access to that they wouldn't, you know, just by, by you know, listening to or binging the podcast from episode one. Um, so to me, it was a valuable thing to go ahead and start. And if I can pick up some people along the way, awesome. Um, I've got two tiers there. Uh, the first is the $3 tier, um, which is, you know, pretty common what I see across the board. Um, and, and it's personally what how I, um, the level that I'm supporting other patrons at. And, um, uh, you know, most of the time, the people that are giving three bucks a month, they're really just wanting to support their creator in, in a way that's practical. Um but, you know, that said, I, I know they may or may not have interest in behind the scenes or the making of or whatever, but I at least want to provide some value. In addition to that, you know, I'll be doing early releases there. Uh, I'll, I'll try and make it at least a week if I can, you know, unless I'm really in crunch time. Um, and then as if the need and as the need for advertisement revenue comes in, um, that would be an ad free space, right? I would keep keep the ads off of there. Um, and so, you know, I do want to bring a lot of value to that tier um, because I know any sort of giving at all is important and it, it takes, you know, people's paychecks and things that they um, things that they could use that $3 for. And normally it's not just one person, right? It's not just three bucks. Normally it's 
three bucks spread across you know multiple creators and so you know if you're one of those people that is supporting somebody else thank you for what you do um if you feel like supporting me awesome if if not yet that's totally cool i'm brand new to the block so um i don't expect that at all uh for a while I, again i just wanted to have that ready um the next tier up just as an fyi the five dollar tier would be things like bonus stories bonus readings i guess i should say 90 percent of the time it would probably be stories that i wrote that are shorter than a normal episode or don't quite fit the mold of a normal episode um, or they would be readings of stories that I have permission to read and record um, or in the public domain that I think are really good you know ghost stories or scary stories that maybe people don't really know about um, for instance I have a recording of Ambrose Bierce's uh, present at a hanging that I'll probably throw up here um, just as an example, you know, for a $5 tier. So again, normally what I'm talking about today would be at the $3 tier. Bonus ratings and stuff would be at the 5 but I'm not expecting anybody to do that. I just want to have it ready um, if and when people do decide to support me in that way. So those things out of the way, I wanted to hop in quickly into the story behind uh, the story, right? The, the making of the first episode of This Present Darkness, Old Lang Syne. I am. I've tried to record the story on this a, a few times now, and I find myself just sort of meandering into endless thoughts. So I've tried to sort of succinct my thoughts down to a few things, um, and really make that the key components. Uh, you know, I want to make these about the episode length that you would normally be used to, um, but I don't want to overstay my welcome either. So um, I'll be careful and respectful of time. How did I? get to this episode right how did i arrive at this being my very first episode and what went into writing it well the first thing you should know is that um <laughs> this was not the story i intended to launch with i've been on this account on twitter for two years pretty dormant right just following um a few people and saying almost nothing i think i only had two followers you know when we started this whole thing i think there's about about 30 of you now, about the same amount of people that have, have played the episode, which is cool. Um, and, you know, of course that needs to grow, but uh, prior to that, I was really trying to find the perfect story, and I, and I wrote my very first story, and it was very Halloween-centric. And I really had wanted to launch for two Halloweens in a row, and two Halloweens in a row, I had that story basically done, um, but I knew in my heart of hearts it was too long, it was convoluted, and it wasn't the standard I wanted to put on myself, you know, for for me and for other listeners. And so I, I scrapped it both times, and I need to, I'm still working on it, but I decided, of course, that, okay, I'm not going to make the Halloween launch. So this past October, I, I missed it again. You know, that was the second year in a row that I wanted to do it, and I just didn't. So then I put a new one on myself. I said, okay, you know, I'm going to get a new episode out. Uh, by the end of the year, or let's say January 1st, 2020. Perfect. Perfect way to start um, the decade. I know it's not technically a decade, but you know what I'm saying? For the most common folks, they're looking at 2020 like a new a new decade starts. So for me, I was looking at it the same way, and I was like, okay, this is the time. You know, if I'm ever going to do it, this is it. Let's start the year off right. So um, I had another story on deck. I put aside the Halloween story because I knew even if I could edit it down to be ready by January, it's so kind of Halloween-y. I don't know how else to say that, um, but it's very, 
you know, centered around Halloween night. Um, and so I really want to make sure that that comes out right around Halloween. So I had to go about writing one of my other stories or picking from one of the other stories I kind of have, you know, started. Um, and I ended up, you know, settling on an idea and really putting a lot into it over those next two or three months, October, November, December, I really was hammering away each night at this new story. And it started off as a very small concept and very short story. And it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The more I had to like think it through and the more I, I knew where I wanted to go. And I got to December 27th and I had the other horrible realization that I had before, which is there's no way. There's just simply no way this is getting done. So I said to myself, okay, that's okay. Let's make the best of this. There was a moment uh, at the very end of that story that I wanted to play a recording of Old Lang Syne. And I went and found the, the very oldest copy um, I could possibly find of Old Lang Syne on YouTube. Um, and in fact, uh, that ends up being uh, the recording that you hear um, in, in Old Lang Syne, the episode. I, I ended up actually using that same, uh, that same one um, because there's just something about it that was kind of creepy. You know, there was something about it that was so old timey and uh, just felt... I don't know, so out of place, um, and, and I was like, well, I really want to use this, right? I, I really want to use this in an episode, and so I said, perfect, you know, I want to do a New Year's themed story, you know, what a, what a perfect excuse to write a, a New Year's <laughs> themed story, um, other than to release it on January 1st, and so that's, you know, that's exactly, exactly what I did. Um, if you go to YouTube and you type in Old Lang Syne, old, um, you'll see it. It's actually recorded by Frank C. Stanley, um, and it was recorded in 1910. So I kind of had to reverse engineer from there, right? And this is how, I, I don't know how other writers do it for me, unless I really know the ending, or at least generally what the ending will be, I have a hard time with the story. You know, I, I got to kind of know what I want to say, what story I want to tell, and how I want to get there. Um, and, and I reverse engineer myself from there you know and I, I come from the world of acting um, and the world of music and a lot of the times that's how you approach those things as well right you kind of have this one idea and then you work yourself backwards from there or at least work yourself outward from there and um, so I knew I wanted to make it about New Year's um, and, I, and I knew that I wanted it to be kind of this twist ending um, and, I, and I will go ahead and give the the spoiler warning here right if if you are, um, if you've not managed to listen to the first episode yet, please, 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 before I go any further, please go listen to the episode um, and, and come back and visit this. I don't care if it takes you another month to go actually finish that episode, you know, but, but please, I, I don't want to, you know, I hate having endings spoiled for anybody, especially me. Um, but on my own stories, I really don't want it ruined for you. So um, please go listen to it. But from here on out, uh, it will be spoiler territory, but I knew I wanted it to end with a guy coming to a realization that everything he's just experienced is supernatural, right? Um, and I wanted it to be sort of this moment of clarity because I had to think, okay, you know, New Year's Eve, we're going to play this song. Why is it old? You know, what, what, what is the circumstances that makes this old? 
and I knew I wanted to have a theme of redemption, of new start, right? Of, of a guy who was at the end of his ropes and was having to face up to him, to himself and to God and be real about what is what his life looked like after this, you know, sort of a, a little bit of a spookier, it's a wonderful life, right? Um, and, and I knew that there's actually visually when you, uh, if you watch It's a Wonderful Life, which is my favorite Christmas movie, by the way, but if you watch It's a Wonderful Life, um, you know, when they're at that bar at Nick's, that's what I had in my head, you know, when I wrote this this bar, when I made up this bar spirits, I, I had Nick's bar in my head. Um, I don't know if it's Nick's bar, if he's just the bartender in the movie, but you know what I'm talking about, right? It's kind of, I just picture all the snow and it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere and there's this light right above it, you know, and that's what I was visualizing. So it actually is, I guess, somewhat loosely um, inspired, at least by that section of It's a Wonderful Life. But um, from there, I knew, okay, you know, I've got this person. I know he, I know, I want this to be a journey for him. And I want this moment to be the moment of clarity and kind of the, the freaky side of things, right, where we get a little scary. Um, but even I, I knew this was going to be less horror than usual, right? It's It's about 30 minutes or so 32 minutes worth of I guess drama you know um, and then it turns in those last four minutes into something different um, and, and that was very purposeful you know it's like I wanted to build to that moment um, and so I said okay where would you hear that song on New Year's Eve obviously everywhere but we're talking about a guy who's kind of by himself where's he gonna be at a bar right that makes sense to me okay so now I'm start thinking, okay, when are they going to hear the song in the bar from the jukebox? You know, they're obviously going to going to key it up, but how am I going to support my themes now? Right now I'm now I'm working not just from the structure, not just from the constraints of of setting, but now I'm working from the constraint of of story. Now I'm actually working into my story. I've got my character. Um, I have my characters really, um, and more of them pop up as I go you know, and then I've got my setting and there we go. We're off to the races. And that's how I approached it. And the funny thing is, um, I wrote this story in two sittings and in, in two nights and um, had it recorded the third day and had it up on, you know, uh, Spotify. I, I put it up on Anchor, um, which then allows you, if you've used Anchor, you know, you can sort of then have them help you publish to all the other platforms and they did um, I manually did Apple just because I wanted more control over that but um, it was really a simple process and I couldn't believe it I, I knew I had to sit down and make myself write right I knew I had to sit down and make myself crank out a finished story so that's what I did um, I knew if I started editing along the way which is what I had been doing this whole time on my other stories I know that is absolute writer suicide right to stop in the middle of chapter four when you've got two more chapters to go and start editing it's like that will absolutely kill your story because you've just got to get it on the paper and then you can edit right and and i should know that i've been a media editor a film editor i should know you know it's like don't worry about pre-editing you know worry about assembling the story in the edit you know um and and so that's ultimately what I did I forced myself to get it out on paper and the cool thing is you know when I had that mentality basically what you hear in the story is is nearly exactly what I had written uh, I I cut it down probably about um, about seven minutes 
Uh, so there's there's still plenty in there that got cut. You know that's that's a lot of time in in uh, auditory story world. Um, but it's really it was just repeat information or unnecessary information and and things like that. So I just whittled it down, you know, to its bare essentials and set up a lot of teases along the way. And it's one of those episodes where if you go back and you listen to it again, you'll pick up on those teases, you know, and those those foreshadowings. But um, I didn't want to make it too obvious, so I tried not to emphasize it. But um, I don't know. I just thought that that would be a good way to, to do it. And I can't get too much more detailed than that, you know, into, into the mechanics of the story because, um, you know, it's one of those things I'm, I'm sure you guys understand, but if you've ever written anything, you know, sometimes the creative juices just flow and you kind of subconsciously live in this world. And that's exactly what happened here. You know, it's like I'm kind of putting myself in the headspace of this pastor, of this lead character, and it's just like, it's almost like your subconscious starts to tell the story itself. It's like you're experiencing it almost yourself as you think about it, and you brainstorm, and you start writing. Um, and that's what it's like for me. When I put my fingers to keyboard and start going nuts, it's like the world just comes alive, you know, and it's almost like a subconscious thing. So I guess um, if there's anybody out there listening uh, who is struggling to get their first episode down, um, just to quote a famous shoe company just do it right um just get a story on paper and worry about how it sounds later um i luckily actually one of my buddies who i had sent this to before i put it out there um when he read it uh it inspired him to write his own story and he's never written in his life never he's never written a story ever um and he wrote one because he thought that was just the coolest thing and i and i think that's the coolest thing right it's like and so again that's part of why i want to do these behind the scenes things i i was the kid that you know i was a film major i, I don't do film anymore but i was a film major and i would sit down and watch all the behind the scenes of lord of the rings right all the making of that and listening to peter jackson talk about how he approached writing how he approached storytelling and why he made this decision over that decision and so on and so forth and it was so inspiring to me and it was so helpful to me um, when I was approaching you know filmmaking it really helped me understand uh, how to tell a good story and where to start and know where you're going and know your characters and I guess that would be my only other piece of advice and and what I took to heart from other people which is really really as as best you can know the story you want to tell or at least know where you want to end up um, so that everything you write along the way points in that direction uh, I would suggest, if I were you, there's a screenwriter and a director on Twitter. His name is Christopher McQuarrie. Um, I think he's on Twitter as Chris McQuarrie. I can't remember exactly his Twitter handle, but um, he is the writer and director of the last two Mission Impossible movies. He's also the writer of The Usual Suspects and Edge of Tomorrow um, and all of Brian Singer's big hits. Um, amazing writer, and I would really suggest following him on Twitter because he is one of the most witty and funny people, but he doles out the wit and the funny alongside absolutely priceless writing wisdom. Um, and so if you're looking for just good advice and to laugh at almost every tweet he sends out, uh, follow Chris McQuarrie. He will give you amazing advice. Um, and it's it's more centered around filmmaking, obviously, but it, it's just great writing tips, right? So I would really give him a follow. Now, just to, to talk about, too... Um, the spiritual side of, of this podcast, right? And in and, and this episode and why I'm approaching it in the way that I'm approaching it. And the truth is, you know, when I, I originally reached out to a few people for, for feedback and we talked about this, 
you know, and I said, look, you know, I come from the Judeo-Christian worldview um, and grew up that way, and that's just kind of the way that I look at the world, and I'm a huge horror fan, though, right? It's like I, I, I you know, I know that that's, that's not normally an association you make of, of Christians with horror, um, and there's reasons for that, you know, and, and I wanted to kind of wrestle with those myself, but I also wanted to take the opportunity to look at the horror genre, you know, knowing that I'm um, a big fan of it, and also knowing that I have, you know, some some ability to write stories of my own. It's like, well, why not? You know, why wouldn't I speak from my perspective? Every writer, whenever they write any genre, is going to bring their perspective to it. And, you know, I noticed there was a lot of um, nihilism out there, and there was a lot of um, there's a lot of humanism, which, you know, again, doesn't make for bad writing at all. And in fact, uh, you know, almost every great horror story that I love um, comes from a, a perspective that is not theistic, you know, in any way, shape or form. But I wanted, I knew I could bring that to the table. You know, I knew I could bring that voice to the table and I, and I had enough of an appreciation for the genre that I knew I could still kind of keep it scary, right? Because there's, there's Christian authors who have, you know, entered quote-unquote horror, um, and it's really not that great, um, but I knew that my respect for the genre by itself and the arts and my background would allow me the leeway to be able to actually approach this in a way that was good storytelling, and that could be a little bit deeper, you know, that could be a little more pointed, you know, and could ask the question of maybe there's not you know, uh, just a dead end to all this, you know, vi not necessarily violence just for violence sake and, and you know, uh, existential crises all over the place. Again, not that I don't enjoy those stories, um, but to be able to tell my own stories, you know, I had to bring truth to it. And in order for me to speak truth, you know, I got to speak at least from the perspective of my worldview in terms of themes and what I want to communicate. And so that's what I did, right? I, I growing up in the church, um, this kind of struck close to home because a lot of the time you would, you would see these pastor figures who um, were afraid to talk about the things that they had struggles with. And because of that, you know, they internalized and then it, it caused brokenness of one way or another down the road, whether in themselves or in their families or in their church or all of the above. And it's just a painful thing to watch because you have some of the best people in the world um, in these in these positions and some of the kindest and wisest people that have ever lived and here they are and they don't feel like they can talk about their mental struggles right and their spiritual struggles and that's nowhere you know it's nowhere in the bible that's nowhere it, it, it has it has no basis in christianity whatsoever but it's just sort of one of those things that just doesn't get talked about a lot you know the pastor's you never hear of a pastor on a on a psychologist's couch, you know, talking about their issues or working with a therapist. It just doesn't happen very often. So I wanted to to tell a story from that perspective, of of this pastor who's going through the classic struggle of I've messed up, I am messing up. It might be for good reason, um, but now I'm effectively lying to my congregation and I don't know how to get out of this. You know, and I wanted to to put him in that scenario, and because I've seen that scenario and how that plays out in either way, um, and so I borrowed a lot of, you know, real life experience just from things that I've seen, and and I hoped that through the story, you know, people that have maybe um, 
left the church or left their faith because of people like that, because of pastors who weren't open about their sin. And I'm not talking about, you know, the egregious things that, that people should be in jail for. I'm just talking about people that are just genuinely struggling, you know, pastors and, and their families who just have genuine, normal human struggle um, and, and what they do about it and how they deal with it or don't deal with it and why I think that that's perfectly fine to deal with and that, um, you know, I, in the cases where people have been honest um, with their congregations, it has most of the time turned out so much better, you know, even if it even if it resulted in in uh, short term, you know, quote unquote consequences, it, it I, I, I would hesitate to even use that kind of phraseology. Um, it was ultimately so much better for them and the people that attended their church, um, you know, because at the end of the day, um, from their perspective, from the church's perspective, from my perspective, what matters is really who you are in relation to God, you know, and how you view that and how your own personal journey with him is going. And um, so I wanted to, to write this story about a pastor who's going through it and trying to work his way through things and God sort of um, going the extra mile, if you will, um, and trying to get his attention. And, and um, you know, it, obviously this isn't a Bible story, um, even though there is a physical Bible present and it's sort of a key part of, of the reveal there at the end. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to at least have those themes running throughout um, but I wanted it to feel more like a standard drama, you know, a real normal drama um, and bring a lot of story that I've heard and seen in my own life to it. And um, this is a mixture of, you know, years and years and years worth of seeing different versions of this story told in different ways in real life and uh, just sort of organizing it all into this fiction story and adding a little horror twist to it at the end or, or maybe not horror, but, you know, thriller twist to it at the end. And that's pretty much it. That's the that's the whole story behind uh, Old Lang Syne. And and uh, originally I had called the episode "Spirits" for you know the same name as the bar and the thing, but I didn't want to draw too much attention to that name because I didn't want to tip my hand too soon. Um, and I'm sure you know some of you have figured it out before you got to the end, but um, I didn't want to make it easy. You know, I didn't want to make it so obvious. So. Instead, I used Old Lang Syne, which I actually think worked better with the theme, right? Remembering old times, um, remembering times gone by. Um, and, and Frank says that in the story, right? He's talking about how that's not the quite literal translation. If you Google this, you know, Old Lang Syne, old spelled A-U-L-D. Um, if you Google it, it's not exactly that translation, but that's kind of the general idea of what the German song was saying, you know, you know remembering these times gone by. Um, and so that was hugely important, you know, to the theme of this story. Um, and so I was like, hey, that, that's perfect, you know, that works. And so that's how we ended up with the title. So I, uh, I hope you enjoyed this story behind the story. Uh, let me know if this is something that you actually enjoy um, and something that I should keep up on every episode. Again, please be on the lookout for a new episode sometime mid-February. That's my goal. Um, and, and something very, very, very different than this one. Um, definitely scarier. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I don't want to always do sort of the soft scary. I don't mind doing some legit, uh, freaky stuff, you know. Um, but I really like this one. It's, it's, um, 
you know, I, I'm in the second half, I guess you'd call it, of the writing process on this one, but I've got the full story. It's just a matter of how I want to tell it, you know, and how I want to fool you <laughs> um, and, and, and how I want to kind of turn your expectations on their heads. So in any event, be on the lookout for that story mid-February. Um, feel free to ping me on Twitter. I'm at this at this present dark um, and uh, I'm on Podchaser. I'm on uh, Anchor and on, you know, the two big ones, uh, Spotify and iTunes um, under this present darkness. Thank you guys again. This is Thomas Brennan. See you guys next time.